think it's perfectly understandable to wake up this morning and feel very alone. The citizens of your country have betrayed you. HQ. This is Hour of the Horse with your hosts, Hunter and Hugh. Hey, Hugh, I've got a really uh, pressing and important question to ask you. Go for it. Uh, any updates on the site this week? Hmm. Well, let me have a look. So for the listener's benefit, the site we're referring to is offbrandhorsealloneword.com. Not with all one word written at the end of it. I mean offbrandhorse without any uh, punctuation. Hmm. Unless you count the dot as a full stop, but I don't. So offbrandhorse.com. You can put a www at the front if you like. It will have the same effect. Um, that is the home of our uh, multimedia enterprise. Empire. And this is but one of the mediums. Medias? That we've conquered. Yes. This being a podcast. Not our only podcast. One of many. And uh, I'm actually going to head over to the website in real time. Well, holy shit. You listeners can follow along. We can both look at what's what's been happening under the off-brand horse banner. Um, So helpfully, the front page of the website displays all recent content Mm -hmm. in a somewhat obscure yet tantalizing fashion. Um, The most uh, prominent uh, image you will see, maybe outside the iconic logo itself, uh, under the heading recent is um, a large, attractive uh, album cover by an obscure Melbourne band called Bucket Men. Mm. Um, and that was released, uh, was it this year or last year? I think it was last year. The most recent thing that uh, has happened on the website was uh, the release of the last episode of Project A+. Mm. Um, I believe December 2022, right? Something like that. Or was there a January episode? I don't know. Uh, there's a few more that haven't been released yet. I can't. I can't be. I can't be fucking. I can't fucking remember. But uh, yeah, that that was the last one, roughly at the end of last year. Mm. Um, so where are we now? We're in June, so we're halfway through the year. Maybe there should have been more updates to, to the website since then. But as we speak, what you are listening to now is the most recent uh, off-brand house content. Mm. Well, then. <laughs> but because it's still in the stage of being created, it's not yet on the website. So, Because obviously a live streaming technology will become part of the site. Right, exactly. 
And um, so soon we will be wise to read the podcast to each and one of your brains. Dragdling. I wonder if that is uh, something that you can do with uh, the limited tools that uh, share space give you Squarespace. <laughs> mm. I'm sure I could, uh, if I, if I want to get off the prefab share space, Squarespace platform, um, I could probably code my own WordPress website or something. Mm. Probably not that hard. Very interesting. Thank you. Um, so that's pretty much it in terms of what's happening on the site. Unless you're pr- planning to add something. <laughs> no, no. Okay. I do have something exciting to share with you today. Really? What's that? This is a particular issue of a particular comic book that I acquired today. So just for the listener's benefit, we are now transitioning from business to pleasure. Mm, it's all pleasure. Because we've covered what's happening in our professional lives, our professional lives, in at least in terms of um, off-brand horse. Yes. And now we're transitioning to our personal slash other professional lives, in your case at least. I mean, considering that all of our lives, everything we do in our lives is fodder for the podcast, everything is part of our professional lives. Touche. So uh, today I acquired a comic book that was priced at $15. Okay. Okay. Now, this is an issue from the year of 1998. Uh Uh-huh. And it has a particular significance to us because this is actually a comic book that has been signed uh, by its writer and by one of the writer's close friends. Okay. And by one of the writer's close friends. Okay. Mm, and collaborators. And collaborators. Uh, could it? Could the writer's initials be TM? <laughs> TM. <laughs> That's not correct. What were you thinking of? Um, Mr. McFarlane? No, uh, this is someone who has vast personal uh, significance to us, not necessarily to the podcast. <gasps> KS? KS? Uh, that, that's And right. Jim Marfood? Uh, that's true. Signing an issue of Clerks? Who, who, who other, what other person could have signed this comic book besides uh, Jim Marfood that has, a, uh, <laughs> has the same initials? <laughs> Jim Marfood, one of the actors. Mm. One of the actors who. One of the in... actors wrote the comic. No, no, but he did sign this comic. Wait, so book. this issue is not written by Kevin Smith. No, it was it, written by. It, it was written by Kevin Smith. But he's not one of the signatories. He is one of the signatories. He got one of them. And the other one is not Jim Mafood. It's I'm not confused. Jim Mafood, but it's someone who has Jim Mafood's initials and is also a close collaborator and friend of Kevin Smith's. Ah, ah, the guy who. Runs the comic shop. No. And sometimes draws <laughs> High, bad comics. Bigger, high, higher level than that. <laughs> Who, who's the guy I'm thinking of? Like Ralph Macchio? That's not his name. Yeah, <laughs> I, think it's Ralph, I think it's Ralph Macchio. I know who you mean, but I can't remember. Ralph, the guy, uh, the guy Walt Flanagan the, or whatever. Yeah, not, Walt Flanagan is who Walt I was thinking Flanagan. of. It's not Walt Flanagan. Okay. It's not Walt Flanagan. Because Walt Flanagan's initials are <laughs> WF. Do you know my brother had a... J figurine, actually a J and Silent Bob mm. figurine set. Mm. And it had a little button on the back of J and you'd press it. And one of his catchphrases, which it would cycle <laughs> through, was, uh-huh. I'm faster than Walt Flanagan's dog. <laughs> and that that is perpetually lodged in my brain somewhere. Mm. 
and I can conjure it up at will. Just like that Krusty uh, the Clown toy that you destroyed. It was not a Krusty the Clown toy. It was that was destroyed. It was a Ned Flanders toy. Oh, Ned, Ned Flanders. My bad. Always room for one more Flanders. That's it. That's the one. Uh, anyway, I mean, that story has been already eloquently told on our sister yeah. podcast, Project A Plus. Maybe, maybe we'll find a reason to tell it again. In the yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure we'll bring that up again because it is a good story. <laughs> it does make you see like a psychopath, but it does. Okay, so uh, let's see. Who was the other person that you mentioned in addition to Silent Bob, who also has the initials J and M? Oh shit. <laughs> I did not know this existed. Wait, he drew the comic? No, he didn't draw it. Jim Moffat drew the comic. This is the other person. Ah, so Jim Moffat is still involved. Okay, right. Yes. So I did get two of the people correct. It was just there was a third person involved. So Sorry. Jason Muse right. also signed this comic book, is what I'm trying to say. Right, right. When you were talking about like yeah, I, I, friend I, I, and contributor little... or whatever or collaborator, yeah, maybe, I just uh, assumed he was the artist. No. I got confused. All right. So I've got, so a, Jason I've got Muse. a comic here that's... Signed by both Jay and Silent Bob, Blunt Man and Chronic themselves. By both Jay and Silent Bob, yes. Is it an issue of Clerks? It is an issue of Clerks. And it is an Which fact, issue of Clerks? It is, in fact, the Clerks Holiday Special. Wow. Original retail price of $2.95. And I bought it for uh, $7.50. And that was on special, right? Because you get a fifty percent discount yeah, at the book price store, at, which you were. It was priced at fifteen dollars. Wowie! Yeah. Now, can you treat us to a uh, choice word balloon or two? Mm. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm flip up to a random page and read the first word balloon that I find. Okay. What if I read an entire page? Okay. Go for it. All right. <clears throat> Now, uh, to paint a picture, this appears to be a... I don't know if you need to paint a picture. Maybe just read the balloons. Okay, I'm going to do it uh, using my... um, This is my uh, random impression. Are you ready? Okay. Okay. You should see your mother's wish list. Hey, man, I don't know where you're used to renting, but on this planet, you need a membership to take out videos. I have one. Poor shit, I'm the only guy who works here, and I never signed you up. One, two, six, nine. Accounts under Mr. Nicholas. You stay right there, Methuselah. Think you can pull a fast one on me, boy? I'm faster than... Walt Flanagan's dog? Huh, seems you're legit. May I go now? Sure, skedaddle on home and give Granny Gonad Grinder a pump for me. That's it. You just made the list. End page. And scene. All right, that was good. Perhaps a future episode will feature more uh, dialogue from the Quirks Holiday Special. So this is one of the many advantages of your current place of employment. Mm. You, you get first dibs on the items that pass through. Not only do I get first dibs, but the fact that I am such a Kevin Smith fan means that the person who does our comic books is like, hey, do you want this, Hunter? And I was like, sure, thanks. <laughs> But what was that thing recently, you have to refresh my memory, which uh, slipped through your grasp, willfully, I might add? The one that comes to mind most recently is we got all the uh, Fantagraphics or IDW, whatever the really nice peanut edition. No, no, no. Not not something like that you would legitimately want to purchase oh. for its oh. like, quality. Uh, a Yahtzee Crenshaw novel. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> 
particularly his novel <laughs> that we ended up recycling. He pulped it. The thing that uh, threw me off is that midway through the particular buy, I switched off with someone else who finished it. So I would have saved it had I been the person who ended it, but I right, okay. was kind of zoning out you know, by the end of it. So I was like, oh, whatever. I believe that your initial excuse, because this is news to me that there was some like uh, issue with who was completing the sale that contributed to it, but your initial excuse was that you didn't have room in your apartment. I've seen your apartment. I've been in your apartment. And I'm sure you can manage to squeeze in a book by uh, famed video game journalist Yahtzee Croshaw. Anyway, it was his book. Which book was it? Let me, let me go on his Wikipedia page real quick. I mean, he's written a lot of books at this point. I think it may have been his first one. It was Mog World, which was his first one. There you go. That's even better. Like, that's the book you should yeah, read. Yeah, I should have kept it. I mean, we should read all of his books. <laughs> you could have read a whole page out on the podcast, just like you did with that clerk's card. In your best Yahtzee impression as well. Mm. I can't even remember what he sounds like, really. He's British. Oh, he's British. That's right. And he lived in Australia. Now he was in America. Yes. I think you'd say, sound a little something like this. <clears throat> How's that? Wait. Did you just play a clip from Zero Punctuation or what? <laughs> oh, wow. Well, thank you. Thank you, my friend. <laughs> Have you had any uh, Quarks-related adventures uh, recently, uh, Hugh? <laughs> um, I mean, I've interacted with Clarks, I guess. <laughs> like whom? Uh, like the clerk at the supermarket at which I bought some wine or the clerk at um, a grocery store at which I brought, at which I bought some uh, groceries. Now, did any of these uh, clerks have any um, fun banter about, say, like uh, the the, uh, Death Star contractors or anything like that? Uh, alas, no. Mm, that's too bad. It, it was a mute transaction. I guess um, some things are truer than real life. Truer than fiction? <laughs> what am I trying to say? <laughs> Movies lie. End of story. That's right. But comics yeah. are the truth. So the Clerks comic is very true to life, but the Clerks movie is an absolute fabrication. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. Because comics are real. There's one thing you can take away from this podcast. It's that fact. That's good. That's why I want you to put on your tights and go clean up the streets of uh, Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, Chris Pierce. What's his mm. name? Yeah, Chris Pierce. <laughs> <laughs> That's a reference I don't expect many of our listeners to get. Mm. It, not even the one listener who will listen to this. Yeah, that's a deep cut, I guess. But we're both super fans, mega fans of um, the YouTuber uh, Comic Tropes, aka Chris Beers. That's right. Who is a uh, a a former professional superhero? Yeah. <laughs> is it is it former? Did he stop doing it? Yes, he stopped doing it. Mm, that's sad. Did we not watch that video together? I don't think we did. I, I thought we did. did. I, I can't remember watching it. I, I recommended it 
when you were adamant against watching anything mm. comic strip related. <laughs> and now I'm more enthusiastic about watching them than you are. Because we do, we do share a sickness, I guess. <laughs> for, for what? For watching certain YouTube channels. Mm. No, you seem to, you're, you, you don't like Chris as much as I do. No, I, I think I've just gone on a journey with him. Mm. When I first watched his videos, I detested him. Mm-hmm. But I still found myself like wasting time watching a couple of his videos in full, nonetheless. Mm-hmm. And then the day that actually, and I should say before I before I get to the next point, his manner was the main thing that annoyed me more so than just you know the indignity of being a comics YouTuber. <laughs> <laughs> but um, <laughs> his very like phony manner and his attempts at humor were the mm. things that put me off the most initially. Mm. And now you've come to love those like I have. But I'd, I'd watched enough of them that YouTube would keep recommending his videos every so often. And that mm. was when the video showed up that was titled, I was a real life superhero. Mm. And I was like, holy shit, I have to watch this. And it was an hour long. And in contrast to the style of his normal comic strips videos, which are very scripted and awkward and stilted, um, he he spoke extemporaneously for the entire uh, 55 minutes. Mm. And he was much more uh, appealing speaking off the cuff in that manner. Mm. And he told a quite absorbing story about his descent into the real-life superhero world. Into madness. Well, we did watch him be a kind of real-life superhero together. That's true. Yeah, we did watch a video of his where he... Uh, <laughs> Don't he went around um, doing good deeds to homeless people mm. as part of a, a game? So, like the premise for his videos initially, the hook of his videos was that he would itemize the tropes in a particular genre or comic. Mm-hmm. And depending on how many tropes he found, there would be a different reward or punishment that he would have to subject himself to. Mm. Like, like there was one where he had to eat a cheeseburger for every yeah. trope in some particular comic. There was one where he was eating like weird flavored. He was drinking weird flavored soft drinks. Yeah, the, and- the best one is the best ones where where he was like drinking actual alcohol when he did. Yes, you <laughs> would get pretty drunk too. <laughs> it was pretty funny. <laughs> But there was one where maybe because of something to do with the subject matter of the comic that he was analyzing, mm. he thought it would be too trivializing yeah. to um, have like a jokey punishment. Mm. Yeah, a, I can't remember the specific For the context. number of tropes or whatever. I mean, I'm just going to browse over his videos and see if I can remember which one. Oh, it was, uh, it was his response to the chick tracks. That's right. Right. There you go. That explains it. So he found the Chick Tracks comics that he analyzed so morally repugnant mm. that um, he wanted to balance the scales by donating food to homeless people. And I think that worked. And um, it was hilariously tone deaf, I yeah. would say. Yeah. Just that presentation was strange. <laughs> I, th- I think it would have been okay if he just said, I'm going to you know, help out some people in need. As a result of this, but the fact that he filmed it, yeah, very I think strange, is incredibly morally dubious. Yes, I agree, and but, included it as part of the video. But 
Pretty entertaining. <laughs> very funny. Very funny. <laughs> <laughs> Worth watching. I'm glad he did it. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, but anyway, back back to my story. So your story. I watched this video where he's a, a real life superhero, and that is what really turned me around and endeared me to him. Mm. Because he he fell in with what's the name of that? What is the name of the most famous real life superhero? Phoenix Jones. Phoenix Jones. Phoenix Jones. Yeah, he actually fell in with his posse. Um, and he talks about the various uh, interpersonal dynamics between him and Phoenix Jones and the other people in the team. Mm. Some of him sound like really awful people as well. Mm. Um, like he, he even spoke about in that video, which, we, again, we should watch together and revisit. We, we will. Um, we will, I'm sure. He spoke about the fact that one of the things that they would do as real life superheroes is is go around to like homeless shelters and, and help people in need. And he seemed to be the one who was the most passionate about doing that. Mm-hmm. And some of the other people they were hanging around with were, were begrudgingly going along with that. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. But he talks about being like, you know, fat shamed by the media and stuff when they would report on it. <laughs> really? So these guys are real superheroes, and maybe this guy needs to unbuckle his uh, utility belt a little bit and then show a picture of Chris Peel- Pierce. <laughs> 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 oh. Wow. Because I don't, I don't think he's like a bad speaker when he just speaks about stuff off the cuff. Yeah, I, I think I'd agree with you. I don't think he's a very good writer or no. performer, performer of his own no. writing. No, but he's just talking. He's okay. Yeah, it's okay. That's how you should watch his other channel. That's just his like show. I no, I don't. <laughs> I think I think I would retract that compliment if I watched a single moment of that. Maybe I'll watch because he has two YouTube channels. We should say he has his yeah. normal, <laughs> yes. tightly scripted, as it were, um, comics tropes videos, and then a separate channel where every week or so, I don't know, he. Posts like two mm, hours. What's the second like, channel? What's the second channel called? Verbal diarrhea kind of stuff. I don't know. <laughs> like Comics this, like this, plus. like this podcast. Imagine if we. I, I guess we used to do this. We should say when we re- initially recorded Project A Plus in the first um, mm. quarter of our existence, maybe before we got good at it. The we used to record for like four hours. That's true. I did have to cut it down, and it would take me like ten hours to edit an episode. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you definitely got to watch shorter as we went on. But imagine if we were aiming to release like three-hour podcast. I guess we did also release a four-hour <laughs> episode 100. <laughs> yeah, but that was a special occasion. Hey, it's you, the owner of Off-Brand Horse, or the current owner of Off-Brand Horse, because I have a big announcement. I'm not going to be the owner of Off-Brand Horse anymore, or actually, to be completely accurate, I am going to become, along with all my colleagues here at Off-Brand Horse, an employee owner of Off-Brand Horse, because we are about to become a 100% worker-owned cooperative. So yeah, I'll be the owner of Off-Brand Horse. And I will too. And me. And me. And so will I. This guy. And I will too. All of us. When you join Off-Brand Horse, you're directly supporting the people who make the podcast that you love. And you're supporting all the folks who work behind the scenes. Now, I could personally break down how all this is going to work for you, but I would rather that we do it together. Let me settle in here. Off-Brand Horse is going to be completely owned by its employees. And we'll be working on the same great shows 
will just have a little bit of a say in some of the bigger decisions now. And we, the employees, will be electing a board of directors. Hunter's not going anywhere, our managing director Hugh, not going anywhere. But now he's going to report to the board, and the board represents all of us. The board is in charge of guiding the ship, overseeing management and making all the big decisions. And when the company's in the black at the end of the year, then we all have a stake in that. Every employee of Off Brand Horse who wants to join this co-op will own the company together. We got called in for this big meeting in person, sort of during the pandemic. And once Hugh got up to talk, I went, oh, he's going to sell the company. And I wasn't wrong, but I was a little bit wrong. Um, I, I thought he was going to sell it to some big network, some conglomerate, but that was not what he wanted to do. He wanted to have the company become a co-op. I know that Hugh could have if he wanted to. He could have sold us to, you know, Sirius or iHeartMedia or I don't know if I'm supposed to be naming names or not. But I've worked for enormous media conglomerates and just been an invisible cog in the system. And this is the complete opposite of that. A lot of companies in the podcast industry try to maximize profit or get the biggest celebrities or do what's going to make them the most money. And off-brand horse, I think, have always tried to do what feels right. I know that what I do here matters to me, to my co-workers, and to the people who enjoy what I do. I think the nature of cooperatives is that they're sustainable because the people for whom the existence of the company matters the most are the ones making all the key decisions. We care more, we're all part of it. We all have that skin in the game. If I do good work and my colleagues do good work, it will all benefit us directly. And like, let me just say, this is a pretty big deal. There aren't any other podcast companies that we know of working this way. There's barely any media companies working this way. We're really proud of this. I've worked in business a long time and I've also tried to figure out how to work in business and feel good about myself. And I feel so great about this. And you know what? Honestly, frankly, we couldn't have done it without you. Um, I'm really excited about this and I hope you are too. If you think this is as cool as I do, I hope you'll do what you can to back us up. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for making it possible. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you so you. very much. This would never happen at Sirius. Uh, anything else you want to talk about regarding comic tropes? No. Are you sure? What about plugging your actual favorite comics YouTube series? Cartoon is kayfabe. Mm, yeah. It is my favorite YouTube channel on balance, probably. There you go. And it is such a wealth of content. They post videos every single day. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> Whereas professional YouTubers who have actual employees and have founded companies can only barely manage to post once a month. Mm. But as I've told you before, they do it in a very smart way. It's two actual comic professionals, which is why mm. I like this sort of content over stuff like comic tropes. Mm. I think YouTube is a good outlet for seeing a professional perspective that would otherwise really not be in the media. Sure. Because there really isn't a, a mainstream media outlet for like comic book creators to speak about craft. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's stuff like Kevin Smith's comic book men, but that's leveraged on the celebrity of Kevin Smith. And it's not about comic book craft. Yeah, it's about the it's about business. talking shit in the comic shop. Yeah, or yeah. It's just like a bunch of like staged Fucking goofball faux reality shit. From it's, just like, it's just like it's a, a it's just like a photocopied and shittier version of 
uh, quirks, both comic book stores and of a yeah. yeah. Okay, this is Chris's uh, Chris's other concept seems to mostly be him talking while drawing stuff, which I think is really funny. Because he is, yeah. I guess I guess I I I, I did him dirty there. Yeah, yeah. Because he's also a, <laughs> he's an Eisner nominee. He's technically. An artist. <laughs> technically, what he he's is technically like, an Eisner he, he, nominated he, 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 artist, he, he, or he's not, contributed to a project. He was nominated was for it. He was uh, Eisner nominated. I think it's fine to say that. You need to sell him short. Come on, we love Chris. But he wasn't like he, he wasn't nominated specifically. I believe the anthology that he contributed to, mm. to was nominated, and I guess he was best buds with um, uh, Robert Kirkman. Back in the day. And he worked as like an editor or something, a proofreader. Well, it feels like it feels like Robert Kirkman was friends with him and then became really big and they kind of lost touch. But every every so often he throws him a bone by saying, Can you quote unquote proofread the latest <laughs> issue or whatever? We should uh, we should buy some of his comics. What's his superhero one? The, Invincible. the blue yellow guy. Invincible. Yeah. I think it was that comic specifically that he was proofreading for a time. Not editing. He's he not an official editor. Yes, He's yeah. literally like, can you just read this? It's probably already been locked with the publisher. There's no like content change available. He probably sent him a finished issue. And that's already and $20, been printed. $20. Yeah. <laughs> well, he does have a uh, over hour and a half long uh, interview with Robert, Robert Kirkman. So I know. I'm looking forward to watching that one day. Yeah, me too. And it's, we'll see if we can uh, detect the points of where they uh, their friendship started to fall apart. And in fact, he does have an interview with, I think, Ed Piscor from Cartoonist Cape Fame. That isn't surprising. I bet, I bet they're uh, friendly. Oh, my God. He also has an hour interview with Todd. <laughs> yes, he does. Yes, I've seen that. Uh, we got well. to watch that. Todd McFarlane will, will do a lot of interviews. Because he was one of the first to go back to cartoons kayfabe. Mm. He was one of the first big names that did an interview with them, and it was him who reached out to them. That's interesting. Because he's a, he's like a natural born grifter. Yeah, he's a hustler. But that's not really hustling. <laughs> kind of is hustling. I guess it might. What's what's the benefit for doing an interview with those channel like that for him? All he's I, not doing it for their sake. I don't think. I don't think he's that type of person. No, no, I'm, I'm not saying either. But what, what's the benefit to what's the benefit to Todd McFarlane doing promo. Like that? Promo. I mean, I guess it like kind of restores maybe a little like cred for him because I feel like cartoonists. Yeah, like he probably little... saw that they were maybe on their way to something right mm. with the channel. Maybe he was aware that they were actual comic book professionals. Both of them had, have now worked for Marvel. Clearly, DC. clearly, Todd McFarlane is a is a is a genius. Uh, like businessman. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and I mean, he does love to hear himself speak. Yeah, maybe that's. But I would it. say that he also has pretty mercenary motivations for doing stuff like that. So, cartoonist kayfabe is a show with these two comic creators. Once mm. again, Ed Piscor, who is probably most famous for Hip Hop Family Tree and uh, X Men Grand Design, and X Men Grand Design, um, and Jim Rugg who is not as famous. But didn't he do one of the other Grand Design books or whatever? Yeah, but in the wake of X-Men Grand Design. So it's kind of funny. Like, they're so they're both from Pittsburgh. It's the the Alpha and the Beta. 
because of the success of X-Men Grand Design, which was, was Ed Piscor's pitch, he managed to get Jim Rugg to do the Hulk one, which is actually the third one. The second one they did... Yeah, it was Fantastic Four. Uh, it was Fantastic Four by Tom Scholey, who is another Pittsboy home homeboy of these Wow. These <laughs> this sounds like another uh, grift, I have to say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, good on them for but getting like, that, yeah, that bag. I think that's cool because they're not <laughs> yeah. Marvel and DC creators. Like wow. The whole point of X-Men Grand Design and what's become of the series is to bring in a more kind of independent... Or tear as Art, a rare, yeah, to do their own take on a Marvel property. I kind of want to read those. I bet they're pretty enjoyable. But but Jim Rugg's other big creation, which is not very big, but it was published by Image, is a, a series called um, Street Angel. Mm. The main type of video they post, and the reason they can they can post one a day, is it's just a top down mm. view, and you only see their hands. And they just flip through a comic page by page and discuss it, usually mm. from a craft perspective. And I find that extremely enjoyable. Sure. So they can they can do a week's worth of content in like a three or four hour session, which is what they typically do. So they they don't re- they're not really at risk of <laughs> burning out, even though the amount of content they're producing is like mm. ten times more than someone like Comic Stropes. Because he has to actually work at it. Mm. Yeah, it's the right of scripted shit. Because they can, because of their experience and their knowledge, their love of the medium and their professional um, exposure to it, they can speak lucidly about it and interestingly about it without much preparation. So they can just sit together and discuss mm. it like friends. Like we're doing right now. Or friends. I mean, of course they're friends. They, and they started like the, the the initial hook of their channel was was going through Wizard Magazines. So I'm slightly of a different era than they are. Like their their childhood sweet spot was the first generation of image, like Rob Liefeld, Todd McFarlane, Jim Lee, which I do, I guess, kind of remember, but I would have been like five years old or something in the early 90s. But my my sweet spot, which was, again, while, while Wizard was still going strong to some extent, even though the market had kind of collapsed, mm-hmm. was the like Joe Majorera era. Mm. Um, when he was still at Marvel and then later when he transitioned to, um, what was the name of it? Cliffhanger, which was an imprint of Wildstorm, which at the time was under Image before it got sold to DC. Did you pre-order uh, your um, Battle Chasers number 10? My Battle Chasers 10. I can't believe that's coming out. I can't believe he only drew the cover and that he's writing it of all things. <laughs> <laughs> you can't really draw that well. I mean, so. it's his only talent is drawings. <laughs> if you try to read a battle chaser comic. <laughs> In video game design. Yeah, but that's still like the visual side of things. Did he did he like contribute much to the story of that fucking battle chasers game? I guess he invented the characters such as they are. <laughs> He's definitely the auteur behind the game. Let's see. What the fuck is that game called? Battle Chasers Night War? That's it. Battle Chasers Night War. Let's see. He was a, He's credited as a director. He wrote and directed the game. Wow. <laughs> so, what did that mean? Well, co-directed. But he, according to Wikipedia, is the sole writer. Sole writer? Holy yeah. moly. You've got to play that game. 
<laughs> that, could, that, could, that could be our first uh, Twitch stream is play Battle Chasers <laughs> Night War. <laughs> has the has studio developed any other games? I have no idea. Oh, they put out a game uh, not that long ago called Ruin King, a League of Legends story. That actually uh, got okay reviews. I guess wow. Battle Chasers Night War also got pretty good reviews. It did. Yeah, it didn't do too badly. Um, so that's where that's where Cartoonist Kayfabe started. They're just flicking through Wizard magazines and just commenting on the industry, and that mm. attracted a certain type of crowd. And then mm. they diversified their portfolio and tried to steer it more in an independent direction. He's actually directed quite a few video games. I'm, I'm surprised by this. But they always go back to like the image well every so often, the Marvel and DC well. Mm. Probably most of their content falls under that banner, mm. if I'm honest. Um, well, that's that's how you get uh, that's how you get popular, right? I mean, yeah, but they've they've developed into exceptional interviewers mm. because again, they're they're asking the questions from uh, yeah, very uh, technical perspective, uh, knowledge peers, of technical, uh, yeah, yeah, and that might not be of interest to people who haven't harbored um, aspirations to be a comic book artist in their lifetime, such as myself, mm. or who aren't that into the the comics they're talking about, but. For me, I find it incredibly watchable. A lot of the people they speak to um, are also like really nice people. <laughs> <laughs> it Which is, is so funny to me that the, their top viewed YouTube videos by story. far is all the porn stuff. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. great. Well, obviously, yeah. They 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 looked at like Playboy comics and stuff because Harvey Kurtzman worked on it. Is that true? Is that true with uh, our, our boy Chris too? He only released that video recently, didn't he? He did. He did fairly recently, but yeah, I don't know. I haven't. I haven't checked his popular videos, but yeah, if you no, look at their most popular it videos, doesn't seem like it. It doesn't they seem are. Like it. I think the top five most popular videos on cartoons kayfabe are about like salacious comics. <laughs> so mm. I mean, they've they've risen in popularity steadily over a long period of time, but they're like nowhere near like Chris Pierce, for example, at comic strips, which I find I find astonishing. Hmm. Because they both have a few years under their belt at this point, even though Comic Strips mm. is a little bit older. I mean, I think I think Comic Strips is a little more appealing to a broad audience. It's, it's less, uh, it requires less technical, or, or yeah, you know, as you say, it's like a little more specific. Yeah, I, mean, I don't get it though. It still it still kind of blows my mind, especially given how much stuff that they have put down at this point every mm. day for like three years. <laughs> but. Um, that's that's usually what I watch every day while I'm eating breakfast. Mm, I should start watching it. <laughs> I've said that like three hundred times. Yeah, I don't have time. I have to watch YouTube videos. I mean, I still haven't watched all the wizard ones because that like they're they're all like an hour and a half long, and they've gone up to issue like I don't know what they're up so to. Like 50, 50, 50 something. Fifty. The, yeah, fifty something. I mean, just think of that. That's fifty videos that are ninety minutes long at least. Yeah, that's a that's a fucking ton. So I'm nowhere. I'm I'm like I've watched like three or four of the wizard episodes. Mm. Yeah, you still you still love it. I mean, my single favorite version of this is still the show that um, Naoki Urasawa did called Man Man. Mm, yeah, where he interviews manga creators and you just see them working. That does that I think that would be. I think that's even less accessible to um, a mainstream audience who aren't mm. aspiring practitioners themselves or hugely into manga. 
Mm. I'm not hugely into manga, but... <laughs> You're not really into anything besides YouTube videos at this point. No, exactly. <laughs> In Korea, it's always a chance. I kind of like content about content as opposed to content, <laughs> if that makes sense. I, can't, I, I mean, you're talking to someone who, you know, <laughs> spent all his teenage years reading movie reviews instead of watching movies. So. Yeah. I don't really get the same pleasure out of movies reviews as I used to. So, wow, he has a, uh, he has a, he, the, the uh, cartoonist Kayfabe have a Quirks uh, holiday special. Uh, oh, so if it's that same so. issue, I've watched that episode of Cartoonist Kayfabe. So I, I may... I may, I may know exactly what happens. <laughs> there you go. There you go. You know, you knew the dialogue that I was talking about. YouTube channels are you watching, buddy? <laughs> None of them. None of them? I just watch YouTube. my entire job. If I can call <laughs> living on my savings a job. I don't watch YouTube. I'm sorry, bro. <laughs> the only YouTube videos I ever watch are the ones that I watch with you. Wow. That's, I'm touched. Are you? Would you like me to read you every uh, YouTube channel that I'm currently no. subscribed to? <laughs> okay, what kind of what what ones would you say you watch on a regular day basis? Not the ones you're currently subscribed to necessarily. But I could I could just shout them out as I go along. Mm. Cause some of these are embarrassing. Go for it. But it has to be one that you know, if you're just reading ones that you subscribe to and never watch, like that doesn't really count. But I'll read them anyway. Okay, go for it. So this is in order of, of I don't I don't know how they order it on um YouTube. If it's Okay. How many of them are there? Oh, uh, like 25? 25. Oh, my God. And you watch all of these regularly. I'll tell you what I watch regularly. So Cartoonist okay. Kayfabe is number one. Number one, That's, yeah. That, that I, I have watched regularly. Mm. The next one is a channel called Conversations with Curtis. Conversations with Curtis? What the fuck is that? So this is, um, the Curtis referred to is the protagonist of Phantasmagoria 2, right? Oh, Okay. So the actor who played Curtis in sure. that game, this is his YouTube channel that he started up with um, a guy who's actually into gaming. So he's just an actor. He was just doing a job on Phantasmagoria yeah, yeah. 2. During the pandemic, it was like the anniversary of Phantasmagoria 2 or something. Mm. Some confluence of events led him to starting this YouTube channel, mm. which is run by him and a guy who is actually into games and a sort of game developer himself and is a fan of all those old adventure games. But he's never actually played a game before. Okay. So they're, they're doing like Let's Play videos of going through Phantasmagoria. That's where it started. I didn't watch any of that. Mm. But they kind of branched out from interviewing people who worked at Sierra and on the games that he worked on mm. to just random adventure game people um, from back in the day, mostly LucasArts mm -hmm. outside of Sierra. So there's a lot of like long form interviews with LucasArts alumni mm. and uh, I've watched those. I mean, one of the recent ones was 
I haven't finished watching. I'm like an hour through. So this is not one that you watch regularly then? I do when when, when an interview comes up that I want to okay. watch. You will I invest a lot it. of hours into it. So what I'm watching currently, just to give you a taste of the type of content, mm-hmm. is an interview with um, a LucasArts programmer called Eric Wilmunder. Mm-hmm. Not a like famous name outside of the credits of these old LucasArts games. Mm-hmm. So you didn't see that many interviews with him about, or at least... They don't pop up in my feed often. And it's mm. a four and a half hour interview with this guy. Jesus Christ. So he's otherwise, he's not creatively involved in the games in terms of like design or story. He's like a, a nuts and bolts programmer kind of guy working on the tool sets and stuff. Mm. There's four and a half hours with him. That's crazy. And um, the guy who is doing the interview. So when it's a more technical interview, obviously the star of Phantasmagoria 2 doesn't know anything. So the other mm-hmm. guy takes over. This Israeli mm-hmm. game developer, mm-hmm. and he does these very like um, pedantic interviews. <laughs> okay, where he like correct because he knows he usually knows more about the LucasArts people. He usually knows more about what the LucasArts people are talking about because they're just relying on their memory. They haven't like obsessed over it for, for decades. So. And he's always like trying to get to the bottom of what happened with every incarnation of the dig, which was a famously troubled project uh. at LucasArts. Um, so yeah, I like watching his interviews mostly. Uh. Um, next channel is Captain Disillusion. <laughs> and watch regularly or not? I've, w- I've watched like he doesn't post very regularly. I've watched pretty much every one of his videos. <laughs> so you know what it is, right? Because I I told you once. You hadn't heard of him until I mentioned it to you, but he's like a um, a special effects debunker. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. But the hook of the show is that he he does it in the style of like a 90s kids TV show. Okay. okay. But he puts so much work into it. I respect it a lot. Mm. Um, the next one is this is one of the more embarrassing subscriptions. And I, I, I will say I've, I used to watch this regularly and I've stopped. <laughs> it's the Craft Beer Channel. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> okay, Moving let's on. just move past it. Yeah. Moving on. Um, I'm subscribed to J. Kenji Lopez's let's, let's, alt channel. Let's, let's pick up the face a little bit, bro. All right, J. Kenji Lopez's alt channel. Just okay, watch, regu- watch regularly or not? Depends on the recipe. Do you follow his recipes? Sometimes, yeah. Okay. What was the last recipe of his that you followed and actually made? The last one? Um, yeah. Well, I these days I tend to, like, hybridize a bunch of recipes. Yeah, yeah. But I, I integrated some of his methodology when I was making fried rice recently. Mm. Actually, I didn't really follow his recipe, but I did read it. Anyway, mm-hmm. next up. Um Adam Savage is tested. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, I don't watch that at all anymore. I used to watch it more than I do, but Game I, move I on. literally don't Fast. watch it at all. Next, next. Uh, James Hoffman, who's a coffee YouTuber. I watch every oh, single video God. he posts. I love it. He's the best coffee YouTuber. Again, he's an industry guy, which is why he stands uh, head and shoulders above other coffee YouTubers. But Jesus highly recommend Christ. Remember I sent you his technique for the clever dripper that you used I to do, make I do. I do remember that. Uh, next up is a Chinese chef called Chef Wang, mm-hmm. um, who's just a professional che- chef in China. Not all his videos are subtitles. Some of them are. I mm-hmm. like watching his videos. I used his fried rice technique, actually. Mm-hmm. Next one is uh, 
developer Ezra. Developer uh, this was when I was Ezra. trying to learn the game authoring engine Godot recently. Sure. So I just subscribed to a bunch of people who are posting like, I quite like watching people's devlogs is what they call them. When they just, mm-hmm. as a way to kind of incentivize themselves and also like boost their channel, they mm-hmm. just post like developer diaries about how they're developing their games. They're always kind of fun mm-hmm. to watch. Double Fine Productions, I'm subscribed to. I've only really ever watched the actual proper documentaries they make, not the other right. stuff on their channel, but otherwise. I'm subscribed to Amoeba Records because mm-hmm. I like those What's in My Bag videos, but I only watch mm-hmm. them if I know the artist. Okay. Uh, Gluten Morgan TV, which is a, a bread-making channel I must have subscribed to when I was trying to make sourdough. Okay. Uh, Middle Eats, uh, which is a um, Middle Eastern recipe channel. Okay. Well, British Middle Eastern. Um, Amber Lim Shin, which uh, is another developer. Uh, Cress Up, this is another person who does, like, Twitch interviews with LucasArts alumni that I've watched. Chef Ranveer Bra is mm-hmm. a uh, Indian chef. I really like his stuff. J M B I V. I've subscribed to. I think I was doing another Godot tutorial, but I actually don't like that guy. I should, I should unsubscribe. Okay. Chutemic is another Godot developer thing. Oh. John Topielski. I've never heard of him. Maybe he's a developer. Korean classic film. I'm subscribed to. Mm. That's like an official government South Korean thing where they post full um, classic Korean films, which is worth subscribing to. Fleischer Cartoons, um, that is people, like, restoring Fleischer Cartoons and posting them. Uh, did you see that the uh, the Fleischer Superman cartoons are going to get a Blu-ray release? Really? Yeah. I'm quite curious about how they're restoring it because it is a whole minefield of bullshit. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. You can't just go, you can't just like accept that at face value you and go, oh, it's just the original thing cleaned up to 4K yeah, resolution. Sure. Unfortunately. Um, this is another guy, Javid, Javid X9. He posts C coding videos. Um, Mega Dead, uh, that's a friend of mine who makes music. Ah. Uh-huh. Captain Picant. Mm-hmm. Sorry, that sounds ruder. As in P I K A N T. Okay. I think, I think it's German or Scandinavian or something. Um, and their videos about programming drum machines. Mm. House of Kush is a mix, like how to mix music channel. I haven't really watched that for years. Culture Whisk, I don't know what that is, probably a cooking channel. Mm hmm. Uh, sorry, it's in Japanese. The names I can't read it. Uh, well, I thought you're fl- uh, you're not fluent in Japanese. It's in kanji, so I can't even read uh, it. It's um, it's Juntagawa, who is a, a Japanese musician. She has a weird YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. It's all in Japanese. Like so I, I don't know why I'm subscribed to that, but anyway. Okay. Uh, Yugaku Dagaku. I don't know what that is. I have to open that channel to see what it is. Ah, oh, I, I I think my brother knows that guy. I watched one of his videos and I've never watched it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a couple of videos of people who just post like obscure music that I've found some stuff on. Eric Rhodes, the second found sound. Oh, this is going way too long, isn't it? Knocker. Yeah. Don't know what that is. <laughs> uh, Naka Urasawa has a, has a YouTube channel of his own and occasionally 
posts like tutorials, which is really good. Mm-hmm. For the love of comics, I have, which is like an Indian um, comics tropes, but better. <laughs> okay. So the next channel is Snookatronica. It's by the same guy who does Mega Dead, music under the title Mega Dead. Mm. And he puts ambient music to snooker tournaments and it works really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up is Nisha Madhulika. Um, mm-hmm. She is an Indian chef and she's got some good recipes. Here's one, Pony Smasher. Do you know who that is? No. You might know him under his actual name, David F. Sandberg. Oh, the uh, director of um, Shazam. Shazam and Shazam yep. too. And Shazam too. So he has been making YouTube videos for a long time that are kind of like DIY. Yeah, that's tutorials how we got the. About that's how we got the. He was like a horror director, right? Yeah, he makes like short horror films and stuff. Mm. But a lot the the good stuff on his channel is just process stuff. But I've only watched like two videos. Mm-hmm. Channel called Why Logic, a channel called Why Logic Pro Rules. Uh-huh. Um, for wow, bias Logic Pro tutorials. Really. Channel called Yesteryear's Mac Games. <laughs> uh huh. Which is just like old goofy shareware games from like the early nineties that uh, make me nostalgic for old Mac games. And finally, Don Giller. Hmm. Who was the guy who posted all the Letterman YouTube videos before Letterman had his own channel? Oh, sure. Yeah, I actually think I've heard of that guy. He was doing God's work. Maybe you told me about him. Anyway, that's it. All right. Well, that was super exciting. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's good. We're not. We're all on track as well. It's only been an hour. So well, we always fit in an hour talking. Uh, okay, we talked about qu- the quirks, the holiday special for yeah. ten minutes, and then we talked about. <laughs> YouTube first for 50 minutes. <laughs> That's the podcast. That's the beauty of it. Uh, well, I don't think we're quite done yet because I think we had to check out with one of our uh, good friends, right? I do. I do think it is time that we uh, see mm. what's happening with um, Mr. Spawn. So, yes. We, who, who am I? Am I Spawn? I'm Spawn. Uh, who is Spawn? <laughs> that's, her, that's the real question. <laughs> I thought you were reading Dr. Seuss for a second. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, who is Spawn? Well, we don't know who Spawn is yet. We do his his name, I think. Does he say I am Spawn? Does he really say who am I, I am Spawn? No, no. That- but we weren't his former human name. Yeah, exactly. So we don't know yet. We've just got this narration. Yeah, and then we cut to uh, but the Talking Heads, uh, Dark Knight Return style. So, uh, yeah, they're talking about this guy named Al Simmons, who is this uh, dude who is a mercenary in Botswana and a a friend of the president. A government special ops agent. Yeah, who saved the president's wife who did, who was recently deceased. Who recently became deceased, yes. Yes. And who is Spawn. What is happening with him? Well, uh... He saves Owen from getting raped, and he wants to meet up with his wife. He made a deal with the devil to come back so that he could. Is it the devil or a devil? That's not clear. That's that's not clear either. It's uh, not not revealed yet. Now that's not the only narrative that's in this cockpit because we also have a 
a uh, another story that's being uh, intercut. Another in strand, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Another bookstore. Um, and what's happening in that is that these two police det- detectives who name are like Lilo and are Stitch. like yeah, Stitch and something else, and Twitch. Who cares? Are uh, investigating some uh, killings, some gangland killings where these mafia hitmen have been having their hearts ripped out. Yeah. I think that's all that happens with Spawn. Uh, we find out his wife is getting stuffed by some other guy. We should make it clear that he made this deal with a devil to come back to life. Yes. He goes around wearing a costume. Mm. And we infer um, taking out the heads of criminal organizations. Mm. And he believes that he was ripped off, that the devil or a devil didn't honor the terms of the deal. Mm. And that one of the consequences of that is that his memory is not properly intact. Mm. So initially he can't remember anything, Mm. but then he remembers that he had a wife. Right. And he gets like a little bit of a flashback, but he doesn't remember her name. Mm. And we should also say that one of the news reports speculates as to the relationship between mm-hmm. Wanda Simmons, his late wife. No? Mm. Yeah. He's late. No. His wife's not late. <laughs> well, the wife part, the his wife. His late wife, now widowed. The the yeah the applying it to the wife part she's not dead but the fact that she's a wife yeah. has been is dead yes she's no longer a wife she's become a widow exactly wait wait wife is uh, and we're quoting that phrase right now you just coined it <laughs> um, but they uh, one of the newscasters speculates that there might be something to the relationship between her and whoever the dude is who accompanies her to the mm. funeral. Mm-hmm. Mm. So maybe, yeah, maybe Spawn this is man, going to be uh, cut. Yeah, he's going to have to, maybe the person who, I, I thought I read this into it too, that the person who, because he also talks about being betrayed. And so yes, that's I true. Kinda, we, we, we forgot to mention I kind, that. I yeah. kind of read the uh, cucking and the betrayal, you know, as, as being uh, the same thing. Hmm. That's what uh, our buddy's been doing this week. And um, that's all we've been doing for this week as well. So, um, wow. It's at nice the end chat, already. Nice chat with you, Hugh. And uh, uh, I think that uh, uh, will be the end for Hour of the Horse. Bye. Goodbye.
of ground or 